It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name's James True Penny. This is my show. And today we're talking AEW All Out as a sequel to All In. You see what they did there. And to join me for this momentous occasion as what appears to be their WrestleMania, their anniversary show kind of deal, is Mr. Alex Watt. How are you, sir? I'm really good. I'm back after not being on any of the G1 shows, unfortunately, which I was good <laughs> about. But yeah, nice to catch up on a bit of wrestling, caught up on these, obviously, while I was having a little bit of the bubbly, as I'm sure everyone was. Um, <laughs> yeah, very Sorry, early early mention of a little bit of the bubbly. That might that might happen a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The best yeah. thing it is the best thing that has happened to wrestling Twitter all year <laughs> for me. What um, but yeah, the sh- the show was pretty good as well. Yes, yes. Um, right then. Well, I mean, there was a pre-show. We did start with the national anthem. It's very nice, well sung by some people whose names I can't remember. Lots of players. <laughs> harmonics in there harmony going in there it was kind of it was kind of awesome really i really enjoyed that and then the opening match was a, a bit of a barnstorm a six-man tag scu christopher daniels frankie kazarian scorpio sky they defeated a boy another boy and his dinosaur that'd be jungle boy luchasaurus and marco stunt in 11 minutes 40 seconds uh, the cage match guys give it 6.83 and i'm looking at the wrestling observer newsletter of four stars and going really really how are we how are we doing that now because I realised <laughs> it works for AEW, and the, the, some of these scores are a bit, well, I think the phrase high comes to mind. <laughs> yes, a bit a bit friendly, perhaps, shall we say. <laughs> a bit, I think, lacking um, objectiveness. I mean, it was all right, don't get me wrong. In fact, it was really well put together. And it was a good uh, kind of veterans and young guys and mixing the things together, really showed everybody off, got everybody over. It did what it was supposed to do, but it wasn't a four-star match by a long <laughs> This is the reason why star ratings don't work. Because some people get paid and lose their objectivity, in my I opinion. Think, anyway. I think the star ratings thing, um, as Meltzer in general, has gone a bit mad as it's not just this match. Um, sorry, not just this card in general that's happening with, like... About, I feel like there's been five or six matches that have already broken the five stars, like more than five stars this year. So mm-hmm. it's like, why, why do we even have the system anymore, Dave? Can we re- not recalibrate it somewhere down? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, obviously the ladder match here got more than five stars, which we'll come on to. Yeah. But yeah, um, that one's a bit more understandable. Like you say, this one... Probably not a four-star match, but no, I, I, I don't want to disrespect any of the six guys in this. It was really well done, and it was a good, fun opener, which is what you expected to see. However, it wasn't that good. Yeah, <laughs> but yes, I, I thought I thought it was it was really good as an opener, and obviously they're using this is kind of SCU spot <laughs> at the moment in AAW, and it works really well. Them kicking off mm. cards in these six-man tags because. Yeah, you, you know exactly what you're going to get in terms of just loads of great spots. Like, they can be the veterans and, you know, lead, I guess, the younger guys through it as is needed. But it's going to get the crowd fired up, and, and it did, you know, and it was it was great. And I think whatever we're calling this team, um, whether it's the Jurassic Express or something else, um, I think... <laughs> I think is a great example of what AEW are doing really well because it's kind of just three guys who maybe in any other promotion wouldn't really be that over at all. But then you put them together, you look at like Luchasaurus is ridiculously over with this crowd now because of some of the stuff he's done on other shows. And it's great. Like his hot tag in this was immense, like all the kicks and then the big choke slam into the standard moonsault. And Yeah, I think, you know, AEW isn't getting everything right at the moment, but that is something they are doing really well of taking acts that people didn't really know anything about and actually turning them into, not necessarily stars per se, but these guys have got like a really solid spot on the show. Yeah, I would agree with you. It's 
I mean, it is, it's well put together. It's well organized. Obviously, you've got the older guys there to help the younger guys along. It's like having three road agents on the other teams. Yeah, so, yeah which isn't it, too bad, yeah. It, it, it gels really well. It, it just it was good wrestling. It's the best way of getting young guys over. Luchasaurus reminds me of 911 in ECW, not in a just in the big guy sense, but the way they're presenting and the presenting is yeah. different and he's getting over with the crowd in a different way. Luchasaurus is far better than 911 ever was, bless his cotton socks. Because 911 had a choke slam and a grimace, and that was about it. But Luchasaurus <laughs> is way better. But they are using him in the right way to get over in that manner. Um, and the fans are really appreciating it. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, the, the merch possibilities are huge with that team as well, which they'll know. They and yeah. Yeah, it also did make me laugh that Jim Ross kept calling Jungle Boy Jungle Jack for no for no apparent reason, but it was very entertaining. Honestly, if you got Bison Kimura out of retirement to tag with Aji Kong against anyone, that's the original Jungle Jack, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would I would think AEW is the greatest promotion in the world. Uh, but well, there you go. Yeah. I, do you know what? I wouldn't even put it past them. So, you know, you never know. Fingers crossed. I think Bison's got a couple of kids now. I might say, nah, you're right. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on to the next match, which featured back the bastard from Yatoon, and he defeated Kenny Omega by referee's decision in 23 minutes and 39 seconds. Now, this was a different kind of wrestling match. It actually probably wasn't as good as we were expecting, but it was intentionally not as good as we were expecting. The whole point is Kenny Omega has lost his mojo and he's trying mm. to find it again. And as he left it somewhere in John Moxley's head. So yes. that's the question we've got to have. And then the next question is, did John Moxley then leave it in Shooter Umino's head? Because <laughs> <laughs> I think he did. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so Pac and Kenny Omega was, it was very, very good for what it was, but I, I, I will mark it better than most people will because I was understanding what they're trying to do. They're not trying to have a Cliff Cream wrestling match. Kenny's supposed to be one step off where he should be, and that mm. worked really, really well in this matchup. Plus, it meant that Kenny lost, which is no bad thing because if they keep pushing, pardon me, if they keep pushing him as an undefeated guy, it's going to get boring real quick and they can't have all the elite wrestlers of the company winning all the time. It doesn't work out that well. Cody's the kind of character who actually can win all the time, but Kenny's can't because otherwise he's got nowhere to go to, has he? Mm. Yeah, I <clears throat> I think it's been really interesting what they've been doing with Kenny. I mean, have people been down on this match? Yeah, a I'm... lot of people were. Because, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like an all-time dream match, two best aerialists of the last 20 years, da 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 And then it doesn't quite live up to, you know, perhaps the what everyone wanted you know but they're okay. trying to tell a story. but to me everyone's knock on AEW is oh it's just a bunch of high spot guys and never think about the story they're really thinking about the story here so that's the reason why yeah points you know no I, it, i'm i'm with you on this i'm i'm surprised people are down on this to be honest i know what you mean with because we know the crazy stuff both these guys can do but i I wasn't disappointed with this at all. I thought this was mm -hmm. a really well put together match. Um, like you said, the story running through it, I think is is great. I like the idea that they are doing something with Kenny because it was interesting with his first couple of singles matches where they weren't necessarily alluding to that so much, where I was a little bit disappointed because, you know, he's had good matches, but he set his standards so ludicrously high, especially in New Japan, where mm. he was having, like we say, six-star, seven-star classics, some of the best matches we've ever seen. And it was a little bit like, is he living up to that level in AEW, which was slightly disappointing because it's obviously, this is him, this is like the big major promotion moment for them to showcase Kenny Omega. But now, it makes a lot more sense of what they're doing of this kind of redemption arc that he's needing to yeah. go in um he's essentially like on something of a, a losing streak almost yeah. and he keeps losing these big matches and now they can bring in obviously the john moxley element as well so it's is moxley in his head but also has they said has kenny omega left his his wrestling heart in tokyo which was mm. quite nice um and yeah i like all that and but i didn't feel like coming out of this 
like I'd missed out on a better match. Um, it's only now you've said it that I'm like, actually, they didn't hit that many kind of big high-flying moves. I didn't think about it at the time because I just thought it was a really well-constructed match that they put together. Yeah. And I'm sure, look, I'm sure they will have a rematch like a year down the line when they can do exactly. even more stuff anyway. Yeah. So for their first meeting, you you see this a lot in wrestling. Guys will hold stuff back anyway because they don't want to throw out everything possible when they know they can make a lot of money in the rematch anyway. Yeah, also they want to they want to kind of like um in this particular case they're kind of like trying to burn down certain things with mm. like you know, there's there is like there, this match was supposed to happen a few months back didn't happen because of Pax commitments with Dragon Gate, you know, there's there's a couple of things they're trying to expunge from certain mm. people's memories. And the other thing is, Omega's not going to have as good of matches as he had in New Japan because his best dance partner is still there. You know, well, that it, is also true. You know, yeah, <laughs> I, it's, it's, I, it's, I'm, I'm not knocking on the guys in AEW. Any of them who've got available to them, but the best two matches, the best three guys for, for Omega to wrestle are Ibushi, Okada, and Ishii, and they all wrestle in Japan. They don't Naito wrestle for as well. Naito as Naito, well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like uh, I'm the ones, the three that stick to the top of my head, the best matches he had are those three. But yeah, Naito mm-hmm. makes that list too. So there's four, yeah, you know, there's four or five guys. Yeah, good matches with Goto and various other people that were a much higher standard than perhaps they should have been. Mm-hmm. But it's not that strength and depth in AEW yet. That's not to say they can't get there. But look how many, look how many places they had to pluck guys from to get a roster that was strong enough to make it look as good as New Japan. You know, yes. and it's done a good job. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking AEW, but it is like it's difficult for Kenny to have those kind of matches against guys who just aren't as good. Yeah, know? and it's tough. It's tough for AEW as well because they're almost starting from scratch. I know there was obviously mm. all in, but other than that, really, it's not like New Japan, which has had years and years and years where they can build these guys and build that roster. So yeah. that's yeah, that that plays into it as well. And I mean, we, I mean, me and Ashley talked about this right at the beginning of the G1. It took John Moxley three or four matches to get into the gear where he needed to be. Yeah, you know, he, he just he looked he looked two steps behind, and that's one of the best wrestlers North America's produced in the last fifteen years. Mm-hmm. And he just didn't look as good as Goto, or he didn't look as good as Juice Robinson, the guys he was supposed to be the the better of. He just didn't yeah. look that. When he got that match with Ishii, he woke up and he was a lot, lot better and he kept that standard through the tournament. But it took him a while to get there, you know, mm. so because it does for those guys, you know, who come in cold to a product and they may have an idea of what it looks like on TV, but you kind of got to get an idea of who you're wrestling, how to go about that style. So, yeah, I think that's one of the re- that, I think that's one of the problems we can get with certain people being disappointed. That's not to say this was a bad match. Yes, yeah, like I say, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought they were still throwing in, like, some of the counters they were doing were amazing, Mm. as you'd expect, like, Park flipping out of the Kataru Crusher was (laughs) ludicrous. (laughs) Um, And, you know, just, yeah, I I like the idea that it was Omega, which they kind of did, you remember, double or nothing with the Bucks in that match where they were always like one step behind slightly. They did a similar thing with Omega here and he was constantly getting countered. Um, Mm. Like the idea that his focus may be elsewhere. And then I still thought the stretch was insane, you know, back and forth. And then the finish, which was obviously the shock result, was really well done, I thought, and played into that of, you know, Mm. Omega finally being in control. He's about to win. You know, he picks him up for the one-winged angel and Park counters it into the submission and puts him to sleep. So, yeah, I I thought as an overall package, this was fantastic. And also the fact that (laughs) I love that he's called the Bastard Pack. Like, and they just keep saying it so casually that that's his name. I really enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) It is like a walking character out of his magazine, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh dear! But Viz should do a strip of just like Pack wandering around Newcastle in wrestling gear. That'd be awesome. Oh, he'd, anyway. he'd fully be in his gear, yeah, just no shirt yes. on at any time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That'd be brilliant. Anyone listening at Viz, 
I'll write you that story. Anyway, <laughs> the next was the Cracker Barrel Clash three-way match. Now, I've got a story to tell here. The guy who runs the Memphis Wrestling um, Twitter account is a big fan of Cracker Barrel, but he despises AEW because he's a, a bit of a connect. <laughs> And he actually asked, because he's blocked everybody on who works for AEW, did, please don't tell me that Cracker Barrel is sponsoring AEW because I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I tell him, yes, yes, they do. They actually sponsor matches. George, <laughs> like, even better, better about that, did you say he's a Jim Cornette fan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and they did, it, they did a little tennis racket dig at Jim Cornette, Jim Cornette <laughs> in this match. Of course they did, because this, this is the kind of thing that gets Cornette's blood boiling. Um, (laughs) anyway Jimmy Havoc defeated Darby Allen and Joey Janela in 14 minutes and 57 seconds now four stars here is worth it for the effort to be honest cage match guys were a bit more um, you know impartial give it 7.48 this was very very good storytelling very very well put together wasn't as risky as people thought it was because the big spots involved nice big barrels to land on that's not to say that this wasn't dangerous um (laughs) (laughs) Um, there were some ludicrous spots in it, as you'd expect. Pardon me. There were some ludicrous spots in it, as you'd expect. But this was well put together and really enjoyable. I love Jimmy Havoc. I'm growing very much towards Darby Allen. Joey Janela's all right. He's not my cup of tea, but by hell, he will put his body on the line for anything. Oh so yeah. You've got to you've got to give him his, his, his due for that. But these three just clearly having the time of their lives uh, <laughs> with some of the most innovative spots we've seen in a hardcore match and putting this thing on this kind of thing onto a, a mainstream audience into a big pay-per-view style event really interesting the way they're going about it because it wasn't as gruesome as you thought it was in fact the main event was probably more gruesome than this what's your thoughts on this one alex yeah no i, I agree like i mean obviously a technical mat wrestling classic as we expected um <laughs> but yeah it was yeah like you say the creativity involved like certain spots i'd never seen before and i think yeah, it, it probably wasn't now. Again, now you say it, I hadn't thought about it. It probably wasn't as brutal as maybe some people expected, but I thought it delivered pretty much everything you would want. There were some really nasty-looking spots, some really creative stuff. Obviously, stuff like where they taped Havoc to the chair and put the thumbtacks in his mouth, and then Darby's diving on him from the top rope. And, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff I've got written down here, like <laughs> like paper cut spots, like <laughs> in a hardcore match, you know. Um that monkey That was leg. that wasn't that wasn't the stiffest Jimmy Abbott paper cut shots you've seen. The one the the be- the best one I ever saw him do, I was there in person, not me and Cy were there. It was in mm-hmm. Manchester actually. It was for for progress and he was wrestling Pete Dunn for the progress championship. And he okay. did the, but he'd the gone to the bar to start with and he got lemon juice. Then he took it to oh. the ring, paper cutted his the webbing of his fingers, and then poured lemon juice in it. <laughs> the crowd was like, "Oh, yeah." <laughs> that's it. That's just Jimmy Havoc all over, though, isn't it? Like, yeah. d- d- inflicting pain in ways you've never, you would never have thought of <laughs> in a wrestling match. Um, but yeah, it's so much creative stuff in this. Like, yeah, I did, did like that the paper got stuff got in there and like there was, you know, sunset flips through the table. I liked the monkey flip where Janella still stayed in the chair. I thought that was that really was cool. exceptional. That was really good. I was trying to figure out how they worked out the physics for that and what would have happened yeah. if it had gone wrong. <laughs> I suppose if it goes wrong, he just lands on the chair and it looks brutal anyway, doesn't it? So it's yeah. one of those where trip. either way, it ends up looking quite good. Um, yeah. Thump- Thumbtacks on a skateboard. Never seen that one before. Oh, that was that was different. That was definitely different. Um, uh, and then obviously the the coffin drop from Derby where he had the barrel behind him was just that. Yeah, he's an absolute nutter with that coffin drop thing. Yes, it's all very kind of needs to put some weight on, in my opinion, to take possibly. Out yeah, on. yeah. Well, yeah. As JR said, we're probably not going to see these guys in an over 50 battle royal <laughs> because <laughs> their careers aren't lasting that long if they keep wrestling like this. But I mean, yeah. I mean Janela's dad bod isn't exactly the most athletic cutting figure, but it does protect him from some of the dumber things he does. Yes, well, it's the 
the old Foley body that if you've got <laughs> if you've got a big back to land on, it helps a little bit, I think. Big back and a flat ass. That's what. Yeah, you mean. exactly. <laughs> the yes. ultimate hardcore bumping body. Um, and yeah, sorry, I was going to say I love that. Obviously, we we love Jimmy Havoc in the UK. Oh, really um, we've we've yeah. kept up his career for a long time, and the fact that he's winning matches in a major US promotion is just really cool to see, to be honest. Guy never wants to go to WWE, never interested in WWE. He had a couple of matches in Impact, but his he's found his place, he's found his home, I think. I yes, think he... and it's the creative freedom that he's getting as well, and the fact that a match like this can sit on AW quite nicely. It doesn't look weird that it's on the show, no. but it's something different that they're offering to, you know, makes it stand out from everything else that's on the show. And it's a guy with a really high wrestling IQ who can go up a straight wrestling match with anybody they want. So mm. he will get events out of this. He will be at the top of the card sooner rather than later. So we shall see. Yes. Okay. Next matchup was winner gets a bye in the AEW Tag Team Title Tournament match. There is going to be an AEW Tag Team Title Tournament in the next few weeks. <laughs> the Dark Order, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson defeated best friends Chucky Taylor and Trent Beretta in 13 minutes and 44 seconds. I've interviewed Evil Uno. I've got his email address. He's a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't ruin his gimmick, you know. I was, uh, <laughs> well, you know it's, it's Super Smash Brothers, isn't it? And another team that Cornette hated and fired from Ring of Honor. So um, there you go. Mm, yeah. And he was probably the reason why they couldn't get visas anywhere because they got held up because they they did a show on a on a they did a US show on a holiday visa, which is a big no no, and they got banned from the US for about five or six years. Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm guessing that one of the reasons why they're working there now is because AEW threw some money at it. Um, yes, it does. It does help when a major promotion gets involved, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah, the amount of money Tony Khan has, I don't think it's going to be much of an issue. But no, they can afford decent lawyers. So. Yeah, it's more about affording decent lawyers who can find technicality and get you off this kind of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. <but> it, <laughs> Stu Grayson. Do you know what Stu Grayson's actual day job is? You won't believe this. Um. No. Go on. I'm, I'm not going to think of something ridiculous enough, am I? <laughs> He's a plasterer. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because he was on he was on um oh uh, wrestling about two years ago, and he was complaining about the fact that he couldn't get drywalling supplies because the dollar the US the Canadian dollar had gone up that much against the US dollar. It was now costing a fortune for raw materials for building in in Canada. Timber was just ridiculous. <laughs> the most random conversation on a wrestling podcast. Yeah, it's because he's he's a he's a drywaller and a builder, and that's that's you know drywalling is plastering to us. So yeah, uh, I just let's love it. It's brilliant, amazing, uh, most evil tag team ever. Oh, he's a plasterer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, they defeated best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta. This was really good. Proper tag team wrestling. It didn't go great from uh, either Wrestling Observer or Cage Match, guys, but it's just just good, solid wrestling. Corner the guy, keep him in, babyface tags in, hot tags. It, proper card filler from the 80s, like you don't get no more. This was really good. This was four craftsmen at their work, and I greatly appreciated it. What are your thoughts on this, Alex? Yeah, so I thought it was good. Um, it was definitely really well put together, and I, you know... Both these teams are great at tag team wrestling, so um, it was really well worked in that sense. The old tag team fundamentals, like you say, and I think it was good that it wasn't just thrown on the card. I think the fact there was an actual stipulation that they put in there is I like that AEW is doing this. So with this match mm. and the match after it, even though they're kind of you know straight ahead matches that probably you would say in a sense, were thrown on the card, but they put something behind it. Um, so here being the stipulation of them getting the bye through the first round of the tag tournament. Um, so the only issue is, are the Dark Order clicking with the audience? It still feels like it's not quite connecting with the AEW audience. They're obviously, you know, like you said, yeah. they're, a, they're a great team. They've got all these they're a great, you know, great tag team, great tandem offense. One of the coolest finishes going. I mean, yeah. I thought you, when you think you've seen every creative double team, there's still always stuff that will come out and surprise you. Um, but yeah, the gimmick, I'm, I'm just feeling like 
it's not quite connecting with the crowd. So it meant that even though this was a good match, it, the crowd response to it was a little bit flat, maybe. I think they need to do something really awful. <laughs> They're the yes. dark. Yes. <laughs> that dark yet the, I mean I like the swarmy guys that make up um, Evil Uno's throne that's really cool um, mm. and they, let's be honest they were never going to get over like, as the Super Smash Brothers the way they have as, as the Dark Order it can work I think it will work but I think we need <clears> something <throat> I think they essentially have to kidnap Chuck Taylor or something like that it has to be something really really bad <laughs> um, maybe it. not maybe not Chuck or Trent because it could end up just being a bit comedic. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, maybe like I don't know. They've got a, the they maybe need to take somebody over in a Kevin Sullivan in, in Florida in the nineteen eighties kind of way. Um like a proper baby face person, someone like Marco Stunt or somebody like that. Maybe, yeah. That's some yeah, yeah th- there's definitely something in that though. They need to do something Dark. horrible. Yeah, actually dark and horrible and make it... Yeah, That takes it from being, obviously, a little bit gimmicky, which might be why it's not quite connecting with the audience, to something a bit more dangerous, which, if it's got that dangerous edge, yeah, I think that's probably when it'll start clicking. Because, arguably, they've got the best three men's tag teams in the world in this company, so if you're going to stand out, now's the time. Yes, that that yes. is probably the other problem that the tag division is getting so stacked, and obviously we've now got yeah. a new team coming in, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. Where yeah, it's it is hard to stand out at the moment. Obviously, they haven't got the best tag team in the world because that's Charlie Evans and Melly McKenzie. But we'll move on. Uh, singles <laughs> match, final eliminator for the uh, AEW Women's Championship. This will be held at the next pay per view. Riho defeats Sakura Shida in thirteen minutes twenty two seconds. Riho, big old baby face in this particular match. Hikira Shida was not really a heel. She kind of worked baby face, which is, I kind of want to see the Japanese girls wrestling the American girls. I mean, don't get me mm. wrong. I watch matches like this all day long and all night, but it's they need to connect with the audience and wrestling each other isn't getting them there at the minute. So they need to change it up. Because how many times has Riho wrestled Hikira Shida for AEW? I mean, like the last three pay-per-views, they've either been yeah. Tech- or tags opposite each other, or on six mat, and it's just like I realize what they're doing because they know it's going to be good match quality and it's going to get them over. But we've got to move on. They've got like their women's division looks awfully thin at the moment. Without yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't in a weird way. I just don't yeah. know if they're maybe using it in quite the right way because you look at the battle royal on the pre-show and the amount of star power they had in that. And I know a few of those were like cameos, whether those wrestlers are going to stick around or not but yeah there's there is a lot of star power there mm. I mean, we must admit that neither of us watched the pre-show which is the reason why we included it in this <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i saw like obviously they you know the mercedes martinez was in there or some kong was in there um they had all sorts of cameos like to Neil Dashwood, Eva Lee, B. Priestley, Jazz came in as well. Yeah. Um, ODB, Ali. So if even half of those end up sticking around, you've got a really stacked division with a lot of really talented wrestlers in there. I'm just. Well, I, mean, I, well, I was getting. Sorry, go like on. I said, the, the signed wrestlers we've got is B. Priestley, Ali, Sadie Gibbs, Akurashida, Riho, um, and all. Uh, awesome Kong. Aja Kong only came in to do that one show, I think. Uh, right. And I think they've got a couple of others. So they've got six or seven <clears> of the <throat> best women's wrestlers in the world. Don't get me wrong. Um, and to be honest, this division is stronger than than I think Impact. Definitely stronger than Impact and way stronger than Ring of Honors. And if Impact are letting people like Daniel Dash would go off and do shows for them that shouldn't be too much it should be okay to be able to put a decent division together but it doesn't seem to have got any narrative drive behind it like every match had a reason this had a reason but there wasn't a lot of drive beyond competition and it's like all the men's matches adds more to them if you see what i mean yeah i mean do you think part of it is um kylie ray leaving because i think they obviously had a lot of plans, I think, for her to be the top babyface in the division. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like now Riho's going to step into that into that yeah. spot. 
Um, because obviously, like you say, she she also fits that mold of being the kind of lovable underdog baby face who can basically everyone she faces is gonna be de facto the heel, like you say with Hikaru Shida here, even though she's not a heel, she was kind of having to work the subtle heel role because Riho's yeah. such a good baby face. Yeah. I'm just thinking back to like Hikaru Shida in 2017 had the match of the year in Japan with Aja Kong mm. and wore Aja's blood on her tights for six months afterwards just to show her dominance over her. And I'm not getting that here. That's yes. Well. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that is that is the problem with the Joshi yeah. wrestlers who've come in. That I think Riho is connected with them, definitely. Mm. But yeah, someone like Hikaru Shida who's amazing hasn't necessarily in the same way um so yeah i i I want to show i want her to show her dark dark heart that's what i want yeah well it's it's working for io shirai in nxt isn't it so (laughs) because a lot of people a lot of people have gone oh my god she is like one of the greatest heels we've ever seen we had no idea but everyone who'd seen her in japan was like yeah (laughs) yeah she literally is but bear in mind, Shida was a babyface when she did that. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah, she was horrible, but as a babyface. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is also very Joshy as well. Yes, yeah. So that's the kind of thing I'm looking for. We ain't got that far yet, but hopefully mm. we will. But All yeah, right, next... I, I agree. Sorry. Um, yeah, I think they, just to finish this off, yeah, they do yeah. need to be working with the American wrestlers a bit more. And, with Riho winning here, obviously she's going to face Nyla Rose, which will be interesting because they wrestled once before and Riho won. Um, mm. I'm interested to see how this is going to work because it's Nyla's hometown that it's going to be in. But mm. I don't see how there's any way that Riho cannot be the babyface. So, yeah, it's it could end up being a bit of a weird atmosphere, I think. It's going to be interesting to see how they end up working it. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think, I don't know. I think they need somebody, if they wanted to use Joshi wrestlers, they need somebody who can book Joshi style wrestling. Yes. They, they should have got Dan Reed and Emily Reed to come book this division for them, to be honest with you. I think they would have done really well. But anyway, yeah. that's, that's anyway, we'll move on. Singles match Cody with MJF defeats Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard in 17 minutes and 23 seconds. Four stars. Of a really well put together match. Now, this is a very personal story from Fight for the Fallen, where Cody was attacked by Sean Spears and turned him on him. In the meantime, Sean Spears gained Tully, Tully Blanchard, the old Rhodes enemy, as his corner man. And Cody got to choose between Diamond Dallas Page, Brandy, or MJF, his new best friend, <laughs> we're all quietly concerned about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he defeated Sean Spears. Uh, it was really well put together. Again, it wasn't perhaps as brutal as people thought it was going to be, but yeah. it was a well-organized match to tell the story it needed to tell. I'm not particularly well experienced with Sean Spears because I wasn't privy to his WWE run, obviously, but um, Cody isn't the most gifted technical wrestler. He gets by on the fact he's got an incredible sense of personality and charisma, and fans really connect with him. And that, This was kind of the old Dusty Road stories here. This was really what they were retelling in a more athletic style. And this worked really, really well for what it was. Uh, big, big interference spot from Martin Anderson, who'd had enough. And he came, <laughs> gave the double yeah, that A. Was, spot that was and, great. Came in, give the double A spine buster to Sean Spears, leveled the playing field. And Cody takes the win with a chair assisted disaster kick. 17 minutes and 23 seconds. What's your thoughts on this, Alex? Yeah, I agree. I thought it was, it was great. It had. First of all, I I think I agree with you in the sense that Cody works better in matches like this and the fact that he was the babyface here. I think he, he does work better in the babyface role and Spears was great here. It was like the heel opposite him. Like you say, it had the great story behind it with the betrayal and everything like that and bringing in Tully Blanchard was such a great touch and obviously, like you say, led to that Arn Anderson moment, which was got a huge, huge pop um, when it happened. Um, and then you've got all the underlying story of Cody picking MJF to be in his corner, and they gave us those teasers of MJF. You know, maybe he was going to turn. He kept accidentally, in inverted commas, distracting the referee, whether that was, you know, intentional or not. That 
yeah, there was a lot of a lot of story that went into this, and it was a really well put together package. And yeah, the one thing that wasn't good planning was obviously don't have fireworks going off when your dog is nearby. That is very bad planning. But <laughs> other than that, yeah, because that made I think a lot of people uncomfortable, and it wasn't. Yeah, that was really poor. But yeah. in terms of the match itself, was. Yeah, it started brilliantly. I hate it when you've set up a blood feud, like, you know, something like this with loads yeah. of story behind it, and the guys start with a lockup or something. You know, yeah. here, Cody yeah. straight away dives onto him. They start brawling through the crowd. You know, he attacks Tully as well along the way. And it's like, yes, this is, it's just logical. That's what you would do if you hate someone, then you yeah. attack them yeah. immediately. Um, and yeah, again, lots of lots of great storytelling through it. I think what's interesting, like the old school stuff, works really well in these types of matches in a way that it probably wouldn't in anything else on the cards. So like Tully doing all sort of the you know grabbing Spears's arm when he's got the submission on to put extra pressure on, and yeah, yeah how yeah. much. Also, how much was MJF loving it that he got to get in the ring with Tully Blanchard and do a little bit of stuff? That was great. Um, and yeah, it's yeah, they it was just a really, really great package. They obviously went for the sort of redemptive win for Cody, which probably fits the story best. Although I could have seen an argument for Spears winning it with him being, you know coming off that NXT WWE run and coming in but I don't think he lost anything in defeat Um, and I think it did suit the story best that Cody had to win it um, with the chair getting involved obviously as it had to Um, and yeah it it kind of leads into Cody staying undefeated as well and being in the mix for the title shot as well yeah I I think it's um Cody works best in the situation. The best match of Cody's career was the NWA Championship match at All In last year. And it was a mm-hmm. similar kind of situation. It wasn't a blood feud, but it was like the epic story that he was born to tell. You know, getting his Tad's title back, wrestling magnets, <laughs> the biggest show, independent show in North America for so long. And yeah, it was the right place. And this story kind of echoed that, but in a different way very much like in the old Dusty style of doing things. And Cody is his dad's son, and he tries to emulate his father in a respectful way, and this kind of did that job for him, I think. Yeah, and I think that's probably going to be a theme because we saw it with Cody and Dustin as well, who had a very old-school-style match. And again, mm. it's it's good because it it fits its own place on the card when there's not really any other matches like that. So it no. works. It works really well. This is still a three-ring three-ring circus wrestling show. You've got if you don't like the tigers, you'll like the clowns. There's plenty of stuff for you to find on this show that's much more like a North American wrestling company than it, than kind of you think it should be, given the people who are involved mm. who have lots of experience on the indie circuit where it tends to be more high spot orientated, or a lot of experience in Japan where it tends to be like grinding matches orientated. But there's also <laughs> lots of stuff in here that's really interesting. Right then, the semi-main event was for the AAA Tag Team Championships. Excalibur de la Muerte ladder match. It's a ladder match. Lucha Brothers, <laughs> Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix defeated the Young Bucks, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson in 24 minutes and 10 seconds. Five and a quarter stars from your Meltzer. 8.97 from your cage match. Alex, who's the best tag team in the world? Except for these two, because obviously it's Charlie Evans and Millet McKenzie. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was all right this, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, match of the night, probably as everyone expected it to be. Um, yeah, probably the best two, we'll say male tag teams in the right. business. Um, but yeah, just absolutely insane stuff in this one. You know, you mentioned the Meltzer rate and them say he said it might be the best ladder match ever. Don't know if I'd go that far. But it's I. It's up there. It's up there, but I mean, it. Yeah, it. It was spot driven, and there's nothing wrong mm. with that because that's kind of what both these two teams do. Yeah. But there was some defiant logic, like, um, you know, the old, the younger brothers spearing the older brothers. Like, wouldn't you just try and save your brother? I don't know. There was some logic de- defiance that I didn't like. 
Yeah, uh, I, th- I there were a few moments like that, but I think they were getting round it because there'd been all this stuff of, you know, do you have, essentially, do you have the balls to hang with us, you know, in yeah. this match? That I think there was a bit, they were playing it like we're going to one-up each other. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know why you wouldn't try and save your brother, but also I think, yeah, I think they just about got round it anyway, for me. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I think it is. I think it was great. I just don't think it's necessarily that good in its personal tasting as well. It's not necessarily my cup of tea. I like ball rope wrestling matches, you know. Mm. Um, and when we were going, me and Alex and Matt were going to talk about Royal Quest on Thursday, and hands down, that was a better card than this. But I think as well, it's probably more down to, I think a lot of that is to do with my taste because I tend to prefer New Japan over anything else. Yeah. But I, I think there was better matches on that particular card as well, match to match. Not to say this was awful. This was the best wrestling in, in the world and that some of the best wrestling in the world on that weekend. And you have to mm. think about this. On that one day, there were three major international cards. So there was NXT UK Cardiff, there was Royal Quest from the Copper Box, and there was this show as well. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we we are doing pretty well as wrestling fans. Yes, it was it was definitely a good day for, <laughs> to be a wrestling fan. Um yeah, I think in terms of like it's an audience thing, right? So yeah. New Japan that all they are gonna put on the best wrestling matches for their audience because that's what the people want to see. I guess with this card, it was like you said earlier. It's it's a variety show almost. They're mm. trying to like hit a lot of stuff for a wider, I guess, American and yeah. worldwide, hopefully, audience. And yeah, I think you know as soon as they announce a ladder match between these four guys, if they did not do some of the most <laughs> insane spots we've ever seen, I think people would have come out disappointed. Which is kind of what you touched on with. Omega yeah. and Park earlier, yeah. where if these guys hadn't been doing some of this shit, then yeah, I think there would have been there would have been disappointment. As it was, yeah, the stuff they were pulling off were was some of the most insane spots I've ever seen in a match. Like um, Phoenix and Nick Jackson in particular, with some high flying spots which kind of defied logic <laughs> at times. Yeah. You know, we've seen like Nick do the step off the ladder and dive off the top rope before in other ladder matches, but then Phoenix one-ups him by doing it and then switching positions so he could do a moonsault, which was unbelievable. And, yeah, the fact that Phoenix diving through a ladder into a Canadian destroyer wasn't even the craziest Canadian destroyer spot (laughs) of the match (laughs) kind of says how insane this was. Yeah, that I saw, because I caught up on this... um, this event this weekend not when it happened because i've been Mm. so busy i haven't had time so that spot i was seeing everywhere because it's just yeah unbelievable that you would even think of doing it let alone actually pull it off um and that wasn't (laughs) even the end of the match like there was still like five more spots after that um like you know dives off the ladders the nick going through the table at ringside was brutal because he got his obviously got his legs caught up in the ropes, which I don't think was supposed to happen. Um, no. So he hit hit a lot harder than he probably was supposed to. Um, yeah, as was Matt hitting the ladder when it got pushed out from underneath him was brutal as well. Um, but yeah, there was still all you know great storytelling like um, Matt taking off Pentagon's mask at one point, which. Yeah got like one of the loudest boos of the night because everyone knows that you don't do that to a luchador that's no respect in that um but obviously played into how much they wanted to win which i thought worked yeah. really well and then yeah the finish with the package pile driver double stomp on the ladder um was yeah insane brutal. just brutal. yeah absolutely brutal yeah so it I feel like no one's coming out. If anyone was coming out of that one saying it didn't live up to the hype, I would be surprised, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah, we have no complaints about this matchup. And then to finish the particular matchup off, two masked men jumped in the ring and attacked both teams and mm. then demasked themselves to reveal the, the artist formerly known as LAX. 
Uh, that'd be Santana and Ortiz. Uh, La Bariquas in AEW, which is kind of an unfortunate name because that was the name of a, a tag team in WWE. It was the La Bariquas. No, maybe don't quite pronounce the same way, but it was a Puerto Rican team in WWE in the 1990s um, that came out of the Nation of Domination feuds. Um, and I thought, like, well, recycling that name might not be that good because they're kind of a legendary team in Puerto Rico, but not a legendary team anywhere else. Um, right. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Santana and Ortiz, arguably the best tag team in the world, are in the same company as the two other arguably best tag teams in the world. These are the most three talked about tag teams I've heard talked about in a long, long time. Yeah. The only the teams I know of that get this kind of buzz are perhaps Aussie Open, um, maybe G.O.D. So yeah, this is this is the kind of the higher level of tag team wrestling really has found a home in AEW. Um Bizarrely, Impact Wrestling could, couldn't count their weeks and ran a loser leaves Impact Wrestling tag team match this weekend with the North and uh, the, with the North and LAX and um, Jordan Grace put on her Twitter, "Wow, I can't wait. The suspense is killing me." <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is a, even by TNA Impact standards, that's. Quite impressive. <laughs> yes. Can you not like count? Anyway, you knew when they were leaving. You knew when they were going. <laughs> but there you go. Yeah, but yeah, just yeah, another great tag team signing for AW. It'd be interesting to see what the feud's gonna be, because I assume, you know, they're gonna have to keep the books and the Lucha Bros separate now because they've had such an extended feud this year, so be interesting to see who LAX go after because obviously they attack both teams. Um, to be to be fair, they've just had the feud with Lucha Brothers in Impact, which only just finished in January, February time. That's a fair point. Yeah, so it might be worth running them at the book straight off to give that's them time. Kind of, and that's yeah. kind of the dream, the dream match, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah, that might be worthwhile. But you've got the tag team tournament. That's going to take up two months of TV, so you can keep them well away from each other, can't you? We'll see who gets to the final. Well, that might be how they build to the match if those two end up being the finalists, the Bucks yeah. and the Burroughs. Okay, then. We move on to the main event, which saw Chris Jericho defeat Adam Page for the AEW World Championship, a four-star match from the Wrestling Observer, 6.91 from Cage Match, which will tell you more discrepancies. <laughs> <laughs> and, and honestly, I'm with the Cage Match, guys. I barely kept awake watching this match. I really didn't think it was very good at all. I think, it, I, think I may have just reached peak Jericho. I just can't be doing with him anymore. I think that's possibly it. Possibly the issue. Are you saying you don't want a little bit of the bubbly? Is that what you're saying? I have literally been watching Chris Jericho wrestle for 25 years now. <laughs> and I think I have reached the point of, I'm, ju- I'm just done. <laughs> I, I'm, I, again, I don't, they both tried really hard. It's just like, ugh. I, I, I mean, Hangman Page I do like, and I get very much so, but it doesn't really like, you know, my heart doesn't sing for an, a Hangman Page match. <laughs> you know, it's like if he's in with somebody good, and it's like, oh, this is really good. I mean, it's just I just think I, I'm not. I was never a particularly big Jericho fan. I did like his work, and I've always thought he was really, really good. But I just, just this match, and maybe just generally recently, I think I've just, I think I've just reached the zenith of the ability for me to appreciate Chris Jericho. Jericho saturation point. This is it. I think I've, I've reached the peak. So I apologise if I'm feeling negative. There's any Jericho fans out there who think I'm wrong. That's fine. It's your cup of tea. It's just not mine. What are your thoughts, Alex? Uh, well, I don't think I'm as down on the match as, as you are, but <laughs> I don't think... I thought it was a good main event. I don't think it was a, a great main event. I mean, it had... It did have a hell of a hard act to follow, <laughs> to, to be fair yeah, to them. Positioning um, was another issue as well. I mean, it... Yeah, I wonder why they didn't put a cool-down thing in between, but it was, yeah, it, it was just timing-wise, I think, I imagine. I think as well, they're kind of after, like, look where they've come from. New Japan banging three corkers one after the other every, every mm. show because it's supposed to be slow build. It's not like WWE where... You know, it's entertainment in WWE, so you could put in, you know, some ridiculous match to cool people down. You yeah. can't do that in Japan. New Japan, you have to start 
New Japan is like um, the Joe Goldwyn of Metro Goldwyn Mayor fame's wrestling booking. Start with start with an earthquake and then build to a climax. That's yeah. when you just book things. You know, from the opening match, you're on a roller coaster ride to the end. And I can see what they were trying to emulate, but I'm not convinced they had the guys to do this with. Yeah, it's more. I think it's more that what with the style of main event you were going to get. It's a bit different to you know, an Okada and Suzuki following a Zack Sabre yeah. Jr. and Tanahashi, to use the Royal Quest example, where, yeah, you know, it's not a bad pair to follow a great match, basically, when you've got two of the best wrestlers probably of all time. Um, yeah. Whereas this, I think, both very talented wrestlers, obviously, um, but I think the issues were, you know, you touched on the Adam Page thing. I don't think he's been built up as well as maybe he could have been for the title shot, um, which in part is because uh, Park pulled out of their match, didn't he, at double or nothing, which was, yeah. um, I guess, the plan to kind of build him up as the big new thing. So they've been slightly behind, I think, on on where they wanted to be with Adam Page. Um, also, whether Jericho needs to be going 20 minutes <laughs> at this point in his career. Yeah. Um, is debatable you know it's it's not his strength now we've we've seen his strength this week in terms of the promos he's been cutting mm. um mm. with obviously <laughs> we're joking about the little bit of the bubbly meme but it has been massive um and yeah. you know the stuff where he accidentally lost the belt and they turned it into an angle and the promos he was cutting with that that is his strength now is his character work um yeah. and yeah, I I don't know if he needs to be in a 20-minute match. Um, but I think the idea they were putting into the match was correct. You know, they played off the idea of Jericho's experience against Page's youth really well, you know. Mm. Mm. I like how the commentary were pointing that out. They said, you know, Page hadn't held a major title or headlined a major show, which I don't think is strictly correct because I think he has headlined shows on New Japan. Mm-hmm. Um if I remember correctly, but yeah, so he had like some G1 shows last year. Yeah, but we'll let we'll let him have that for the sake yeah. of the story. I think um, so. It was smart to drive the idea home, and obviously you compare that to Jericho, who's had countless main events on big big shows and has this wealth of experience as a veteran. Um, and then it made sense that they would tell the story of Jericho's gonna, you know, use all his tricks, wear him down, stop the stop the younger guy from using his big moves to fire back. But the problem is, it's so late in the show, the crowd's already seen so much crazy stuff. Um, Working a kind of methodical main event style when the crowd's already fatigued is, yeah, it is going to be an issue, unfortunately. Yeah, it's definitely risky. (laughs) Definitely risky. Yeah, I I think, I just think it was, it just came off as flat. And this, I don't think it's any either of the guys' fault. They did the right mm. thing to the right match at the right time, but it just there wasn't the buzz. And you're right, it, it's a pacing issue. But you can't put the world title match on second to last, can you? That's you know? the thing. It's it's crowning the first champion. It's yeah. got to be the main event. There's no way yeah. around that. Um, no, what they really should have done. The next pay per view is put Lucha and the Young Bucks in there, and mm. have the Young. The way you should possibly could have done is have the Young Bucks wrestle. Uh, Dark Order and have Lucha Brothers wrestle best friends, swap it around a bit so they're not being overexposed against each other, you know. And you could have had two buying the first round matches then and done it possibly, that way. yeah. It, it's yeah. tough though, as well, because they are such a young company, they want to showcase all the best they've got to offer on these big shows. That, yeah, that's the other side of it. You can understand why you would go, Yeah, we've got the best two of the best tag teams in the world who yeah. are who are known for high-flying stuff. Why wouldn't we put them in a ladder match and make this the, you know, the talk of the wrestling business, especially that weekend, like you say, when there was so much competition. But if, I mean, if you're going to do that, then, then don't let Jericho go for 26 minutes. Go for 16 and make That's, it... A, and and they do, could have done that, yeah. I do the match that he had with Okada in New Japan, you know, where he brutalized Okada for 10 minutes. And then the last six minutes was Okada figuring him out and getting his comeback. You know? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, something like that could have worked really well in the context yeah. of the show. Because the thing is, 
it was still a good match. There was stuff in it that worked. And I think probably if you watch the match on its own merits without kind of the context of what came before it, you would enjoy it even more because stuff like the blood worked really well, whether it was intentional yeah. or not, I don't know, but it added yeah. something extra to the match. It, you know, we hadn't seen much blood on the card and it, it get, you know, the idea of like Jericho was in control and then all of a sudden Paige gets his opening and is able to take advantage of it. Um, and yeah, the, the counters down the stretch and everything like that was great. There was just kind of, I think it just sagged in the middle a bit because it went long. They could have cut out the middle section, you know, yeah. had that gr- really good closing stretch earlier. Because um, then you had a, the finish was really well done. You know, Paige had been trying to hit the bookshot all match, finally hits it, but, you know, thinks I have to hit him with another move to finish him. And that's what ends up costing him. So you've kept enough doubt in people's minds of, Oh, if Paige had gone for the pin there, could he have beaten him? And just inexperiences maybe cost him. And yeah, I mean, and then I guess what's your take on on Jericho winning the title? Because I, I mean, feel it's the like to do it's it kind yeah. of is because I've seen a lot of people being like annoyed by it, but it's tough. It, it is ultimately the obvious right call when you've got you know. A wrestling legend basically um there and you're about to go on tv yeah i mean i mean it, it is the obvious thing to do if you look at companies that have formed world championships um down the years major companies nick bock uh, uh awa is probably the classic example which is similar to this mm. um pat o'connor was uh the nwa heavyweight champion i think he dropped it to luther's and the minnesota office immediately stopped recognizing Luthers and recognized Pat O'Connor as the AWA heavyweight champion. Um, Pat O'Connor was given 30 days to defend the title in Minnesota. He didn't, so Nick Bockwinkle was named champion, you know, and that was a roundabout way of using the big-name wrestler to gain some notoriety for Nick Bockwinkle, mm. having to book him and play the politics of the NWA. And it was done with the NWA's kind of auspices. The AWA didn't fall out with the NWA. So, you know, the, generally speaking, you want a big name. I mean, obviously, WWF, when Buddy Rogers became champion, became a much bigger deal because Buddy Rogers was a known entity and it kind of kick-started the modern era for WWF as it was then um, and kind of kick-started the Bruno Sammartino era. So you need the big name to be champion. Historically, that's what's going to get you there. Um and yeah, I can see why they'd want Jericho as their first champion. It just seems to make sense. I don't particularly like it because I think they should have faith in the younger guys, but I don't think Cody's ready for that kind of level of championship run yet because mm-hmm. he needs more time to develop himself in this setting. Bear in mind, that Ring of Honor run he had was successful, but it took him a year to get there and they need to tell that kind of story with him. Omega's ready to go, but they're already chosen to tell another story with him. And that's no bad thing, because those guys have got 10 years left, and Jericho's got three at the most. So yeah. you get, you make hay while the sun shines. It's not like Jerry, Also, it's not like Jericho's wrestling every weekend. So, that is you know, the thing, yeah. On the, on the Cody thing, though, like that is Jericho's first defense is going to be against Cody, because they've brought it. Pardon? <laughs> He's not going to win it, though. Right, okay. So you think... <laughs> yeah, right. So you think he'll he'll lose that and then they need to build him up to yeah. get, get the title shot again. Okay. I mean, what... Because my thing... I get why they've done it with Cody getting the first shot. And I like... One of the things I am liking about AEW is the whole wins and losses actually do matter. So the fact that Cody has gone undefeated matters. You know, that ends yeah, up... Yeah that does get him a title shot. That is logical. Um, But in terms of the match itself, I wonder if it's the best option for the first title defence, especially when, I guess, even on a surface level of you're trying to be the new hot company, but you're using two guys who are primarily known for working for another company. Is that... Well, is that two... is that cynical? I don't know. <laughs> no, but it's the two biggest names in the company. That's yeah. the obvious thing to do. It's not you, they, you. They're not doing anything particularly bad. I mean, it's the ob- Sometimes the obvious thing to do is the right thing to do. Yeah, I think probably long the long term building to Kenny being the ace 
Yeah, because, that would be my thinking. Yeah, yeah. which would yeah. which would make more sense because Cody's not an ace kind of guy. Cody's an occasional champion kind of guy. Look mm-hmm. at what the rub he put on the NWA title by winning it for a month. You know, yeah, uh, that was that did an awful lot for the NWA. He doesn't have to be champion all the time. Whereas Kenny is a championship level wrestler. He wants he wants it. He should be that like, card. I mean, there are guys you watch and you go like they'll never be a championship level wrestler just because the way they act, the way they look, the way the, the their characters are. Omega's a championship level wrestler. That's the story they're telling. They're trying to get him back to that championship level. Cody yeah. doesn't have to be a champion to be a main event draw. You know, bear in mind for all the money Dusty made, he was only a two time NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Didn't need the belt to be, mm-hmm. you know, probably won too many belts in his career, to be honest with you. That big feud with Tully Blanchard over the TV title was unless the TV title was inconsequential. He would have made the same amount of money uh, without it. Mm-hmm. Probably less as well, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there you go. So, yeah, I, I don't think Cody needs a belt to be a draw, but equally, I think Omega is the guy to be the ace. And you've got to take that as a long, slow build because Jericho Omega. It's happened twice already, so you've got to kind of like give it some time. Would be my yeah, my view. yeah. And that's that's the interesting thing. I mean, it's how long Jericho holds a belt for and all that kind of stuff. Because I agree with you, the obvious long term plan is to get the belt on Omega in the long run. But we could be looking at a year build to that. I mean, yeah, probably we are like all out next year if that's yeah. their that's their big show now. Like you say, that's going to be their WrestleMania. That would make sense that that's when Omega challenges for the title. So is it going to be a case that Jericho holds it the whole year? Um, yeah. So they can, so they can do the rubber match with him and Kenny, um, yeah. which now I'm saying it out loud is probably what they're going to do. I haven't thought about yeah. it until now, but that probably is the logical thing. Yeah. That'd be my kind of placement. And it's, it's good that they're bringing in past histories as well. You know, Kenny's, New Japan past is important to this feud and important to the story to this company, as well as yeah. Cody's Cody's past as well. So it's it's good. Right? Have you got any other thoughts on All Out? Um, just it was yeah. I thought it was overall a really great show. You know, there was there were a couple of dips, and like we say, the main event maybe didn't end the show as strongly as they perhaps would have liked. But it's hard to imagine people coming away from this feeling like they haven't got another fantastic show from them um and i think yeah they're doing lots of things they said they're gonna do you know they are showcasing certain divisions more they are bringing the win-loss records into it making that matter the titles matter um little things like the video packages before the matches i really enjoy i feel like in WWE, that's been a real lost art in recent years. That was something they used to do really well, and they've kind of lost their way on that. So it's nice to see AEW bringing that aspect in as well. Um, you know, there's still a little, there's a few kind of issues they need to iron out, like production issues, mainly like cameras missing moments. And I think at one point the wrong name popped up <laughs> when someone was walking out. Um but yeah, I think in general it's it's all really, really positive again. Yeah, I think it's moving along in the right direction, the way it's supposed to. Slow and steady growth. I want I want this company to be big, like I want it to grow like Ring of Honor. You know, mm. never do anything that wrong. All right, Ring of Honor done some blindly stupid stuff this year, but generally speaking, if you look at the history of Ring of Honor, <laughs> it has now. Yeah, when it was started, yeah. though, it, it was yeah. very well put together. <laughs> Yeah, so just like build steady, don't make too many mistakes. Be patient with your booking. Make sure you build the guys you need to build. Have a strong mid card. Look after your women. Probably could work on that a little bit. But yeah, I, they're doing the things we need them to do. I think to be a successful long term proposition. Yeah, and like you said earlier, exciting time to be a wrestling fan because Indeed. we've got so many promotions doing great stuff. Yep, next week we'll be looking at Royal Quest from New Japan Pro Wrestling at the Copper Box with two people who are there, Mo Chatra and Alex Edwards. But for today, thank you very much, Mr. Alex Watt, for your time and efforts this afternoon, sir. That's okay. Thanks for having me. I mean, you've reminded me that I didn't go to that New Japan show now, which I was, I was gutted about that I couldn't go. <laughs> but, yeah, um, but yeah, it was nice to be back on and chatting about wrestling again. It's been too long. It does, and we've we missed you, and we're glad you're back. Oh, you can, thank you. 
You can find Alex at AlexWatt187 on Twitter. He also co-hosts a podcast called Did It Cross the Line, which is very good. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, if you're into football or soccer, yeah, give us give us a listen. Me and my wife chatting nonsense and sometimes good nonsense about football every week. <laughs> <laughs> you, you should also follow our sponsors, which would be in the Empire magazine. There'll be issue four coming out soon. And also listen to our partners, or go watch our partners, powerslam.tv, whose promo I'll put here. Thank you for listening to the Troopany Show today. My name is James Troopany. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find the show at Troopany Show on Twitter, The Troopany Show on Facebook, and at The Troopany Show on Facebook. Uh, sorry, Troopany Show on Patreon, where you can keep the Troopany Show. <laughs> Troopany Show on Patreon, where you can keep the Troopany Show free forever for everyone. And buy me some new teeth. Um, <laughs> Tomorrow's telling stories will be the story of Marty Jones and Mark Rollerball, Rocco, two of Britain's great stars from the 1970s and 80s, whose careers were intertwined as they tried to change the wrestling business. Hmm. We talked about some guys who are trying to change the wrestling business today. Let's see how it works out for them. But it's okay. All right mm-hmm. for Jonesy and Rocco, didn't it? Take care, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bit of the bubbly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. That's all right. I thought it was good. Yeah, it was nice. Nice to come back on. Sorry I haven't been able to jump on recently. Just...